All right, all right, all right. Hey, everyone. I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching Untold Stories, where twice a week I get to dive deep with some of crypto's most influential leaders to find out how this movement really, really came to be. And I'm really excited today because I'm joined with two people. I'm joined with John Sarson, the founder and CEO of Sarson Funds, and my good friend, Jason Penner, who... Jason, I guess you're the you're a partner at Sarson Funds, but you're also a good friend of mine, and uh, we've known each other for such a long time. You're the chief visionary officer of the sanitation department in New York, and it's that's, really that's a great, great role you have there. So they, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, Sarson Funds is an independent provider of blockchain technology and cryptocurrency marketing and educational services. And from what I understand, you're a crossover between uh, a financial advisor and hedge fund and also education and marketing services. And it's like a, it's a huge crossover. And from what I understand, there are not many companies in the space that, that do that. It's usually either or. Because when, you know, investors are investing in a fund or whatever, the fund managers don't really want to be dealing with the investors all the time. You just want to like manage the money and, and have a great day, you know? But now you're dealing with, 10,000 members all the time, plus more. Uh, and I see you got, is that a fax machine behind you? Or I love the Bitcoin sticker. It's great. John, welcome to the show. Jason, thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much, Charlie. Uh, it's so great to be here. I want to thank you for having us on. Uh, you know, you're, you've been a visionary in our industry for a long time. And uh, you've really sponsored the, the entire cryptocurrency ecosystem uh, in the United States. Um, and we appreciate you more than we can express. Thank you. Uh, this is not a fax machine next to me. It's a it's a laser printer. You know, uh, it's indicative of our Wall Street roots. You know, we are a traditional brick and mortar Wall Street firm uh, that that's gone crypto. We've done lost our minds, Charlie. What does that mean? I mean, because so for the past fifteen, you've been on Wall Street for fifteen years, and you have a lot of a different experience. I was just looking. You you worked uh, at Guggenheim and Lord Abbott, and you've been on you know CNBC, CNN Money. So you know, you've definitely like solidified your role in Wall Street. Why, why move to crypto? Well, you know, in 2015, when we first started dabbling in some Bitcoin, me and some of my trader buddies, uh, no one really knew enough about crypto to put any serious money behind it. You know, we put in a thousand, we made another thousand, uh, not life-changing money, really. And we were afraid to put in life-changing money because we didn't really understand what Bitcoin or what cryptocurrency was. And like that, that in, therein lies the reason why our firm was kind of birthed. And it's to bring education to investors so that they can be confident that this is not snake oil. These aren't tulip bulbs in Holland. You know, there's a real value proposition in cryptocurrency and in Bitcoin, a durable value proposition and an investable thesis. And so, so that's, that's our big mission. John, right now, can you find me someone who will not take Bitcoin to settle a debt anywhere in the world? If I, if someone owed, if you owed someone a million dollars worth of something, let's just say today, 2000, the year it's, it's 2021. Joe Biden is president. Biden is being inaugurated today. Here we are in 2021 for posterity. You think there's anyone in the world at this point, or you think, okay, let's just say there's always going to be any, someone in the world, like a margin. But 80%, 8 out of 10 people, would you agree, if you speak to random 10 people, 8 out of 10 of them will say they would take Bitcoin to settle this payment, this debt? Yes. 
I mean, this is, I, I, I think that uh, that's an easy question to answer. And uh, Jason, will, I'll let you answer as well. But you know, another way I phrase that sometimes is, if I gave you Bitcoin, do you think you could turn it into money? You know, and uh, people, you know, what do you think, Jason? Can people turn Bitcoin into money? Will people take it to settle a bet? You, you, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting you say, because I think this is kind of like a, a perspective shift of it, is where if you're saying that, I don't think that number would be that high. And I think the reason why it wouldn't be eight out of 10, I think it'd be less than five out of 10. Do you really? Because of the education part of it, because I think there's enough people that are uncertain about it, that don't want to take the risk, that, that, that don't understand what they're doing, even if you're kind of like walk through the process. You, you know, Ch Charlie, we were just talking beforehand and and let, let me let me kind of share a story uh, on on the untold stories situation. Uh, I, Jesus, how many how many years ago? I don't even remember. It had to be 2014. 2014, right? It had to be a few hundred dollars was Bitcoin at that point. And, uh, and you know, my my core business is in real estate, and and I had helped Charlie find an apartment, and Charlie wanted to pay the commission in Bitcoin. So I had to convince uh, my firm at the time, and I said, "Listen, you know, you should." You should accept Bitcoin. And this is when I was back at Keller Williams. I've since moved on to Douglas Elliman and then some. But, you know, there was a whole thing. I, I got them to be set up with it. They were able to receive the Bitcoin. And at the time, it had to be, I don't know, what would you pay? Maybe close to 10 Bitcoins, yeah. what that commission was. S somewhere in that range. And I said, please, just well, hold on to it. As a firm, they like didn't need that extra money. Bitcoin they did like not listen. They ended up selling it off. So, you know, and, and that's part of the, the, the problem is they go, okay, fine, I could get it and then turn it into cash. And John, like what you're saying is you can figure out how to turn it into cash. But what I'm saying is I don't think that the adoption or the comfort level is, it, I think there's so much more growth before we have to get there from where we're currently at right now. And I think we will get there, but it's just, this, so is, this is why we're telling the stories. 2014, maybe like one out of 10 people would take it. And now you're looking at five or six, which I guess I agree with eight. Maybe eight is too bullish of me and eight is too exciting, but it just means we have a lot more to go. And you're right. Like in the beginning, these companies like BitPay and Coinbase and others, when we would sell someone on accepting Bitcoin, remember that holiday Inn we were working on getting Bitcoin set up with? Yeah, weren't we, we supposed to have an account that paid residuals from them? Whatever yeah, and happened. we never got, we set up that whole holiday in with Bitcoin set up and, and we never got anything from it. But the point, like we were selling him on, yeah, Bitcoin is just a payment system, but you convert it into dollars or whatever you want. But now you don't have to do that because if you're convincing someone to accept Bitcoin in their hotel or whatever, more often than not, they it's because they want to own Bitcoin now. And this is the best way for them to own Bitcoin. Earning Bitcoin is easier and better. And I've always tell, told people, figure out a way to earn Bitcoin than buy Bitcoin. It works better. You know, this is what they're doing in Iran right now. The Iranian government would love to have some Bitcoin. And so they've said to the miners, you may go ahead and continue mining, but you must pay your electricity bills in Bitcoin to us. So the Iranian government is earning Bitcoin through selling electricity to crypto miners. That's going to continue to grow. So, you know, in the, you're going to see corporations, governments start to own large amounts of Bitcoin. It's continuing to happen. And then also down the road, it'll it'll be a potential, I think, of people starting to argue over the future of a cryptocurrency to a point where, like, if government A owns this amount and government B owns that amount, then they can debate between, which is why I don't think that proof of stake could be the best idea 
you know, down the road. Do you guys, you know, changing the topics for a little bit, I, I brought up um, President Biden today, and there's a huge changeover now with the SEC and the CFTC and crypto regulation. What is Wall Street uh, saying about that as it relates to crypto? Is Wall Street bullish on the regulatory landscape that crypto is about to go through in the next four years? Well, I'll, I'll field that question, Charlie, since we spend a, the majority of our time dissecting and analyzing regulatory trends around cryptocurrency. You know, we're a traditional Wall Street firm that's gone crypto, and we've gone to our clients and we said, hey, this is a, this is a new asset class. And we believe this not just because the Fed said so, but because of all the things you're pointing out about how people around the world are storing value in it and are using it as a medium of exchange. So the regulatory landscape is almost by definition a reactionary landscape, right? It's going to respond to what's happening in the market. So it's a second derivative of people's propensity to use and abuse cryptocurrencies. So regulations come after innovation, and this is what we're seeing. But we've seen the innovation now strike Wall Street. Now, Wall Street needs consumer protections put in place so that they can package up crypto products and charge commissions on them. That's what Wall Street does. That's what Wall Street's always done. Wall Street has a new shiny toy in cryptocurrency, and they're going to ask the SEC to build guardrails so that they can package up their new shiny toy and charge commissions on it. It's, it's going to happen. Wall Street's like a dog with a bone when it comes to making their bonus numbers. They're going to package stuff up so they can charge commissions on it. And they need the complicit assistance of regulation and regulators to get it done. This is, this is why I like John. Yeah. John's, John's got this, this invaluable uh, insight that, that most people in crypto, they just come from, they, they don't come from that, that background. I the SEC works for Wall Street. The SEC works for Wall Street. When Street, when did Wall Street it went, you know, like and I kind of wanted to find like what Wall Street is. And maybe you can help when you answer that question, like kind of define like what Wall Street is. But when did Wall Street wake up and say, hey, this is not something stupid, but this is something that we can package up and sell as a product to earn our commissions? You know, there's a lot of people that tried to wake Wall Street up. Mark Yusko shouting at the top of his lungs. You know, uh, uh, the old endowment manager from Wall Street, uh, Mike Novogratz, mm. you know, a famous macro hedge fund manager, shouting at the top of his lungs. But it was Michael Saylor, yeah, that woke up Wall Street at MicroStrategies when he bought five hundred million dollars worth of Bitcoin at nine ninety five hundred dollars. You know, a trade in which he's up four x on already and has doubled down. You know, at twenty thousand, uh, you know, with another six hundred million. That woke Wall Street up for some reason. We never really know like what is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Uh, it was micro strategies. Why? What was so pivotal about what he did? The, I think it was the all-in nature of it. He went all in in one move. And Wall Street is is built around hedging against the world. You know, you're hedging your bets. You're 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 growing your assets, but at the same time, you try to grow a portfolio where if one goes up, the other one doesn't go down as much, and it's and he was just this, this whole all in nature to shook Wall Street up so crazy. You're like, what? Yes. And his track record of being right. I mean, he, MicroStrategy is really just the Michael Saylor, I've been right portfolio from, from, tele, from telecom to internet to, to Bitcoin. 
That's crazy. So how are how are institutions and high net worth individuals treating this bull run differently now than they did in 2017? Well, the 2017's bull run lacked two important things that institutional investors needed. They need regulatory clarity and they need custody. Mm. And over the course of the past three years, the cryptocurrency industry has been very busy providing qualified custodial arrangements for exchanges now like Gemini and Coinbase and Kraken offer custody services on exchange. And the regulators have been very busy clarifying the legal status of Bitcoin including a, a January 4th announcement from the OCC that said all banks can service digital assets and they can issue stable coins and they can accept stable coins and they can be node validators. And this, in their opinion, is just an extension of the modernization of banking, which is happening not just in the United States, but around the world. No one told my bank that because I got kicked out of my bank just the other day again. It's crazy. You know, and that's, and that's, Charlie, is a function of your bank being behind the times. And, and, and I know it's why, I know why it happened. I, 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 I run so many non-crypto businesses and never had an issue with this bank. And I literally did one, like, $10,000 sale from an exchange into my account. And four days later, a letter got sent. Three years with this same bank. Come on. Charlie, how many banks have you been kicked out of? 27. Really? 27. What? I can name them. How about you? Uh, so I've not been kicked out of a single bank yet. Um, I don't know. Just one. Just one. I have not. I remember been the days when I was walking. Yet. Sorry, sorry, John. I remember the days when I was walking around fucking Fifth Avenue with the incorporation documents of my company in my back pocket, walking around to the different banks, open up an account. And when I go to PNC to open up the account, by the time I got to Bank United, PNC would be shut down. And I got to walk out. Here are my corporation documents. Been instant, baby. Here's a check for 100 grand. Let's go. Like, that's how we ran that business. It was crazy. I would have begged you, Charlie. I would have begged the shit out of Bit Instant. Uh, but, you know, the, the uh, surviving companies now are, are dealing with this new framework. And we have Kaylin Long has launched a bank, a crypto bank in Wyoming, Avanti Bank. And so uh, we'll be moving our business accounts to Avanti Bank. We're certainly not leaving them at JP Morgan where they currently are. JP yeah. Morgan has crypto ambitions. They believe their JP Morgan coin is going to become the intrabank settlement coin, you know, much to the uh, horror of Ripple investors. Uh, and they may well be interbank settlement coin of choice in the United States. It remains to be seen. But I can certainly tell you that my banking profits will be going to a cryptocurrency ecosystem bank like Avante Bank. Yes, I completely agree with that. And, and uh, now that there's so much money, like half a trillion dollar industry with, you know, that we're in, there obviously needs to be a half a trillion dollars worth of, you know, other assets floating around somewhere in the U.S. and in the world. And, and those assets, some of them are going to need somewhere to bank. And these crypto banks that are licensed and regulated by the OCC in the U.S. are now going to going to get a lot of that business and you will see crypto banks that have more assets under management and are just bigger than you know banks that you and i know of today that have stupid names yeah, that, yeah 27 that, of them that kicked me out yeah uh, you know and and uh the, the the united states banking architecture is is not the envy of the world it's very it's very fractured with, with various like regulators at the state and federal level you know various levels of permission it's the federal banks, the banks that end in the NA, that are that are under the uh, charter of the OCC, 
the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency that just got the green light for crypto bank. And these are the biggest banks. This is Chase Bank. This is Wells Fargo Bank. Uh, this is uh, Bank of America. These banks are green lighted. And you, like, again, going back to bankers making their bonuses, bankers don't get bonuses in a declining revenue, declining asset-based environment. So these banks need to attract assets and they're going to do it on the back of yep. this new trillion dollar industry. Jason, you're one of the first people that I knew in New York when I was 20 something years old, getting into the space, you know, back 2011, 2012, you're one of the first people that when we became friends, you instantly got it and you instantly understood why this is, was important. And your, your mission, your, your message and vision has been steadfast and hasn't changed, you know, even through my ups and downs and your ups and downs. Um, do you remember any early stories or what was it about Bitcoin or the little crypto world that we had back then or me or anything that really like clicked for you? You know, uh, so I, I remember knowing of you before I, I met you and especially, uh, I think it was Christoph and my brother who went to go meet you. And for some reason in my mind, I thought you were some, at the time, even some 40-year-old guy or something. Then I mentioned, like, wait, what? Like, what's, what's going on with this? I, I do remember kind of a, a pivotal time when we were, I think it was me and uh, my brother, Eric. And, uh, and then we were with uh, um, Chad and Emil, and Emil's little brother. Um, the Itbit, the Paxos guys. That's what's and, crazy about that. Those guys that you introduced me to, Chad and Emil, they ended up becoming Chuck, the Itbit, Paxos, like the biggest people in the space. Well, they, they were, I think they were doing Itbit. I don't know if they had launched Itbit at the time, but I remember like, oh yeah, we'll go next door to this, the the uh, the Bitcoin bard, EVR. And, and, and it was one of these where I'm sitting there yeah. and I'm like, okay. I know these guys, I know like the, the fact that like there is something brewing here that is really special. And, you know, like I, I don't I don't think I understood how early on in the Genesis that really was. I, I feel like even back then we felt we were late, right? Like even back then we didn't realize how early on in the Genesis that was like if we had started the businesses that we just talked about and didn't do anything, we would be very, very, very wealthy. Like. We started starting a just a merged mining pool, uh, Bitcoin mining and crypto mining, like a script mining in PoolX. We, we had PoolX. We, we had, had PoolX. PoolX. I know. We had the best idea. And the idea was to do non-Bitcoin mining. If we did that, we could potentially be the largest non-Bitcoin miner in the world today if we did that. I, I don't even get don't even get me started. I was like, PoolX, wait, who who still has it? Did we did we lose that website? No, I have the oh, domain oh. name somewhere. I have it somewhere. I forgot. Charlie, I love that. That in 2014 you felt like you were already late to the game. Yes. That's that's so uh refreshing and encouraging. I get investors every day that you know the their only reluctance I've convinced, you know, they've been convinced that Bitcoin is the future and cryptocurrency is the kind of you know a, a real future in the world. But they're too late. They've missed it. Too late. John, I don't think I ever told you a story, but but Charlie, around that time, I, I forget who the Bitcoin guy was in my building at the Helena, um, but me and him had convinced my doorman at the time to buy Bitcoin at $8. Oh, my God. My doorman. I hope he bought some. I remember uh, seeing Roger Ver talking about being too late. He's like, being too late to cryptocurrency, that's like saying... You're too late to use the internet or, or use yeah. the cell phone. Like, uh, there is no too late. You know, mass adoption uh, and ubiquitous uh, adoption is right around the corner. 
It's just adding zeros, right? Like it's just zeros. So let's talk about some of those zeros because we talk a lot about the institutional money in America. And there is approximately $25 trillion of institutional money. Uh, And we talk about this when I tell clients they're not too late. And they say, well, you know, Bitcoin's already gone from 10,000 to 40,000. They say, well, that might be the case, but we only see $50 billion of institutional money having been allocated so far. How much? 50 billion, five zero. It's mostly got through Coinbase custody. Um, and so at $50 billion of exposure, that represents only one, 25, uh, one quarter of 1% of uh, $25 trillion. Uh, like what percentage of an asset allocation pie do you think that this new asset class will eventually command? What do you think, Charlie? 50% maybe? Uh, maybe mine in your portfolio. I think so, maybe 50%. Uh, oh, I thought you meant like what percentage of gold, what percentage of my, well, I've always been like a 30, 30, 30 guy. I always say like 30% in crypto, 30% real estate and 30% like fiat and traditional type of assets that you live off of and stuff like that. I think that that's a, that's a very thoughtful way to approach asset allocation. And mine's not too dissimilar, honestly, personally. Wait, what, what, what happens to the other 10%? Oh, I don't know. It's just fun money. <laughs> Moonshots. <laughs> Yeah, moonshots. Yeah, moonshots and, and, and pocket cash. Um, I think, you know, when institutions are looking at an asset allocation pie, you know, like international stocks are getting, you know, a slice, domestic stocks are getting a slice. And in, within that, they're dividing it into tech stocks. And they're really kind of like Harry Markowitz, modern portfolio theory disciples. Like they're going to own a little bit of everything. And like they might overweight and underweight tactically. Um, great. Uh, tactical global asset allocation was a is the is the name of the game when it comes to institutional asset allocation. But like cryptocurrencies, you know, it's not going to be in their minds anyway, like conservatively, like it's not going to be a 10% piece of their portfolio, but it might be, we think 2%. We think 2% would put it around where people have a lot of their precious metal exposure at around 2%. So if, if cryptocurrencies were to represent 2% in these institutional portfolios, well, 2% of 25 trillion is 500 billion. So we're at 50 billion now. So we are 10% of the way through the allocation in yeah. our Canadian SARS and funds. Is that why, is that why like Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan predict a, a, a Bitcoin price, you know, like peak around 150 to 250? Because that kind of goes in line with your $50 billion number. So that's where they're kind of, it all comes together. Yep. They're looking at the, 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 the amount of money that still has to move into the space. Wait, and so- it's, it's enormous still. And that's not accounting for like people divesting other assets really but but let me ask you a question too cuz you mentioned precious metals are people really leaving precious metals or is it more like the same thing where like oh one person gets polio from the vaccine so now all of a sudden we're all worried about it like is it a one off thing or are people really leaving precious metals like are people really worried about the future of gold in my lifetime will we see gold like become for the first time in thousands of years less of a thing instead of more of a thing that's crazy to think about well, it's a, it's a barbarian's relic, Charlie. So, I mean, I've sold gold coins and I've turned it into crypto. I used to, I used to have quite a few gold coins. Same. The same you too. So at the margin, yes, it's reducing demand for precious metals. Is it going to cause gold to fall in price uh, in an environment where the dollar is also falling in price? I'm not sure. Oh, uh, that's a very good point. So what you just said is not to a case where someone's like saying, I'm going to sell gold because I want crypto now. It's rather... I have this asset, 
and I was you I was gonna put it into precious metals, but now I'm gonna allocate some of it to digital gold instead, Bitcoin or, or crypto. I think it lives in the same place in an investor's mind. So if they're gonna be putting, you know, in the hard asset bucket, if they're gonna be putting maybe historically they'll put four percent into gold and now they're gonna do two percent crypto, two percent gold. Right? Yeah. And and so like so that's the thirty percent or the ten percent or whatever. Um of like my portfolio, you know, like you move, I moved away from precious metals, but then you have all that, you have real estate, right? Real estate is a super hard asset, illiquid asset, a very liquid, unless you sell it, you know, obviously. And there's holding costs, carrying costs, a lot of costs associated with holding real estate and somewhat of an inefficient market as we saw in the past year or two, how, how real estate prices were going up and everything like that. Um, Jason, you're, you're still in the, very much in the real estate market. Do you see a future with like, securitization, tokenization, representing, you know, like percentages of buildings that now people can hold in their digital wallet and trade off each other? Yeah. So, so let me, let me touch on that for a second, right? So the big difference in real estate is the ability to easily leverage with the blessings of the bank, you know, like back in the day before the last collapse, you could get 95% LTV, maybe even 105% LTV. Nowadays, maybe it's closer to 80, 70% LTV, but there's a lot of- um, Where are you getting that high? I'm, I'm seeing 50, 60 maximum. Where are you seeing 80% LTV? Like it, it, lots it, of it, stuff like that? It, it, depends on the, it depends on the lender relationship. I would say 70, 75% is a little bit more in line. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, you're, I'm we're like not in- I'm bottom of the barrel. They, yeah, yeah. Listen, in, in 2006, okay, you know, you, you were able to get 105%. That was just in, insane. You know, so it's the, the the leverage portion of it. I mean, listen, that's that's like great. Let's go to Bitmex with uh, you know, a hundred times leverage. You know, like th there's you know there's there's a certain uh, danger that that comes along with it. Um, but uh, yeah, so so as it kind of like melds into the space, you know, I've talked to you both about uh, you know, a, a, a friend of mine or a client of mine is uh, um, has owned the Saint Regis in Aspen, Colorado, and he launched Aspen Coin. So he took the hotel, a five-star St. Regis hotel, and he securitized an equity portion, a minority equity portion of it, but, you know, securitize that. And then now that's being offered through T0. That's their first main um, uh, uh, asset-backed token that they're putting out there. And, you know, I I'm not seeing necessarily the huge wide adoption. And what I think is maybe one of the first hurdles is someone goes, it, when someone's thinking of cryptocurrencies, they're they're not thinking of something that's way more stable you know like it's it's not the dollar it's not you know even gold stability but in terms of how real estate is moving like you're kind of making that investment into it i i think it's a little bit early um i, I think the space will definitely um you know grow a whole lot i've i've had a lot of people approach me about doing exactly what you're alluding to charlie which is hey let's take a, a an office building or a rental building and let's securitize that and then be able to offer out that uh, that equity portion to anyone who wants to buy these tokens. I, you know, it's liquidity it's is everything, the, right? Liquidity is the most important word of the day. Liquidity is everything. And your real estate markets and Wall Street and liquidity is is everything. It's right. So if now you can. It's early. It's, it's, it's early. We're, we're, we're still early on in that. I, I, I'm not saying the real estate. A crypto hybrid is going to grow in the same way as from the early days of Bitcoin to now. But yes, it will add liquidity. And if you're able to have enough 
buy-in into that hybrid space, you then create enough liquidity to it. And in theory, you should also create a premium, right? If you're going to take an e-liquid asset and then you're going to add the liquidity to it, that should in turn make it a little bit more valuable. Absolutely. I think you're right. I think you're right. And for the future, it's going to be it's going to be uh, really, really crazy because the next two years are going to move faster than we've ever seen this industry move. And it's going to be very, very, very scary, uh, but also a lot, a lot of fun. We're getting time that I have to uh, close up the show here. And I wanted to ask you, how can my listeners follow you guys, read your work, get involved, potentially invest or uh, become a member? Uh, Charlie, yeah, thank you so much for having us on the show. We're big fans. Um, we can be reached at sarsonfunds.com. Uh, and uh, we help people build portfolios. We share ideas that we have from our research team on alt altcoins and DeFi projects. Uh, we are a, an inch wide and a mile deep into crypto. Uh, we help financial advisors understand crypto. We make hard copy uh, educational brochures you can use with your parents and uh, your financial advisor. And uh, we'll, we'll help you any way we can. We want to help uh, you know, spread the gospel of cryptocurrency. Well, we are blessed to be able to share a technology that empowers the disenfranchised and removes overhead from everyone's lives. Uh, and you can help us in, in our mission. We would love to have you. Amazing. Thank you guys so much and have a great day.